make sure that uh, that program doesn't contain controversial subjects and uh, you're not impolite to people. No, definitely not, Dad. You know me. I'm never, <laughs> ever controversial or yeah, impolite. Yeah, yeah, okay. Welcome to Conversations with your lovable, never pisses anyone off, never been banned from Facebook or YouTube, never been sabotaged or censored for politely expressing a difference of opinion, ex-Muslim host Ina, keeping it non-controversial. This is episode 13, and I'm very happy to have my favorite religious figurehead here with me today, Lucian Greaves, co-founder and spokesperson for the Satanic Temple. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I am well. So the Satanic Temple, it's, you know, it's been one of my favorite organizations to follow because, I mean, growing up, I was a fan of Marilyn Manson, so I'd heard of... Um, the Church of Satan, and read up on it a little bit. And that never really, you know, struck me as too interesting. But you guys are, like, politically active and doing a lot of stuff. Yeah, and some people look at that and they, they ask the question, are we a political organization? Are we a prank? Are we a religion? And all these different things that aren't mutually exclusive. Mm -hmm. So the answer usually is just yes. Right, um, all of them. Yeah, and, and it, it's an interesting exercise if you're to look at what the Satanic Temple is doing or or our, our activities in general and our, our thought processes and compare them to other religious organizations and, and ask, is it really so different? Are the evangelicals today really uh, somehow more religious than us or, or, uh, or more honest about their beliefs in some, some cases uh, just because they... they claim the, the older religion, but, uh, but what, what, what really does modern evangelicalism in the United States have to do with, with old school Christianity? Right. I mean, I can still see quite a few overlaps. No? Yeah, but there was an interesting book. Uh, Krauss was the writer. I actually forget the title right now, unfortunately, but it was about how, uh, the New Deal was was framed as a Christian initiative at the time. There was this uh, drive towards towards charity and other activities like that. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until the National Association of Manufacturers decided to sell the the profit motive to the American public in, in the way that they so successfully have in, in more recent times and beginning back then, the 1940s, 50s, thereabouts, um, that, that it really started transmogrifying initially into this kind of bizarre and Randian type of Christianity we have now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's really interesting. What's funny is that you guys do nothing to really antagonize or offend people actively. You're just putting yourselves out there, you know, as having the same religious rights as other religious groups. But yet you piss off so many people. I mean, well, we piss them off in such a way, too, that they realize, I think, a lot of times they don't have a, an appropriate argument against us, so they make shit up. Mm -hmm. And um, when when Catholic organizations call us a hate group or, or others take it upon themselves to kind of divine our motives beyond what we said and say we're, we're just simply there to antagonize Christians, to insult them and that type of thing, 
we, we very strictly only go after asserting our own affirmative values. Right. You don't <laughs> like tell them that their values are shit, which right, you easily right. could. Yeah, but. And, <laughs> and a lot of people, even those supporting us, seem to, to miss that a lot of times because we'll get messages from people advocating certain actions, like when, when RIFRA, the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, was, was spreading state by state like wildfire because people uh, on the religious right were horrified about mm-hmm. homosexuals and, mm-hmm. and were passing RIFRA laws because they felt it, it defended their discriminatory policies, you know, the, the baker mm-hmm. who doesn't want to bake the gay yep. cake. And um, people were writing to us then, and they were saying, well, is there some way we could deny Christians business at a satanic business or whatever is kind of a message or whatever? <laughs> And, I, you know, we didn't really see the point in that. If you're doing mm-hmm. business, it's just kind of stupid to turn down anybody's It is, right? Or, I've always yeah. thought that. Like, right, uh, I right. probably happily sell stuff to religious crazies. They can give me their money if they want, whatever. Yeah, exactly. Well, also our feeling was, and we had started a petition for this in Michigan, actually, when they were trying to put forward uh, RIFRA, is that if they did want to open up businesses to discriminate on religious grounds, they should actually have to post who they're going to discriminate against on their doorway or somewhere ostentatious. It shouldn't be up to the consumer to have to go in and deal with that kind of harassment and, and, you know, just that uncomfortable situation. But um, when it came to RIFRA, you know, we, we didn't want to, we didn't want to mirror the tactics of, of the religious right either. That's not something we do. It's not this kind of tit for tat. Well, you, you are acting very inappropriately, so we're going to act inappropriately as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we we've done something far better with RIFRA, and we're leveraging RIFRA right now in a lawsuit against Missouri on the on reproductive rights. Uh, Missouri has these weasel bills in place that make it very difficult to get an abortion, and one of them requires that you. Uh, pick up informed consent materials that puts forward a religious point of view that uh, the, the fetus is a distinct human life and you're committing murder and whatever oh else. Gosh. And then you have to have these materials for 72 hours. So you have oh. to go into the clinic, wait 72 hours, mull over these materials, and then have the procedure done. Well, we were saying we're saying that the uh, informed consent materials contradict our own religious point of view which is excellent put, that's yeah, amazing yeah, in that they're they're so therefore they're moot to us and and they're and they're a violation of free exercise anyway and so therefore the 72 hour waiting period is moot but that's how we used rifra and i think that's far better and far more honest to our affirmative values than than trying to match the right. uh, discriminatory policies of and you also provide exemptions, like from beating. Like I, I mean, for, I saw I saw you speak on uh, on a YouTube video, and you were giving a speech somewhere, and there was a billboard about. Oh, they, actually, that that billboard doesn't exist in reality. Uh, we've oh, we've it wasn't tried. Real. Okay. Yeah, that that's a, that was a photoshopped uh, image of a billboard, but we have tried to get that billboard put up, and it's it's amazing how difficult it is to get billboards up when you're when you're the satanic temple right or I, I think recently that was found uh somebody was trying to put up a a, a secular group in in ohio or kentucky or what uh, i'm embarrassed i don't remember now because i know the guy who was doing it but he was putting up a uh, a billboard in, um n- near the theme park uh that has the noah's ark replica oh ken ham 
Yeah, yeah. He was putting up some some billboard uh, that was kind of in opposition to to the the park, the theme park. I, think and I vaguely forward. remember something about this. Yeah, yeah, genocide park or something. Right. Like, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And and it's from what I can see. Uh, well, last I saw, he, he still couldn't get the billboard put up. He was even offered kind of a censored version of the billboard to the billboard company, and they oh. wouldn't put that up either. But anyways, that's not the point. The point was that we do have exemptions against corporal punishment in schools. Yeah. 19 states still allow the school administration to beat kids. That is shocking to me. 19 yeah. states? Yeah, like, yeah. Really? So, so many others. They, there's kind of a carte blanche when it comes to isolation rooms. And so that can happen anywhere. So the, the uh, exemption form, you know, it states that uh, that as a Satanist, we believe our bodies are inviolable, subject to our own will alone. Right. Therefore, punitive beatings, uh, you know, are, are a violation of our, our religious philosophy. I mean, just for that, it's worth it to join... <laughs> but, well, we we haven't had a plaintiff on that, and, and you don't want to hope for a plaintiff because that means somebody had to sign the uh, exemption form and then take a beating from the administration in school. But believe me, you know that happens. We we will we will be very fast to take that to court. Mm-hmm. So uh, before we 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 kind of jumped ahead of this, I wanted to ask you firstly, what is Satanism? Well, Satanism for us, you know, we view it in in the metaphorical terms, and I don't know if that seems disingenuous to a lot of people. This is this is really the component that most people have a, a real difficult time grasping that we don't believe in a literal Satan, but yet the the uh, the labeling of Satanism, as as they often call it, this this self identified as a Satanist isn't arbitrary to us. That is, seems to be the criticism we get from a lot of the atheist mm-hmm. camp. Why can't you call it something else? I love that you call it that, though. That is my favorite thing. I mean, well, I'm an atheist. It can't but... be anything else. You know, it's, it's like, well, you know, I kind of thought of an analogy. If you, if you read Milton's Paradise Lost, mm-hmm. it would be similar to saying, well, it was a good story, but... You know, having Satan as this kind of anti-hero is just going to piss off the Christians. Could he not have used other characters? <laughs> and, and no, obviously it wouldn't have meant as much to the reader, and it wouldn't have met as me- meant as much to Milton. Um, this is what it is in our culture. This is the the symbol of the uh, the ultimate rebellion against tyranny. Um, mm-hmm. One of the uh, one of the books that we we put forward is one of the greater works of literary Satanism is Revolt of the Angels by Anatole France. And that was the the whole nature of the story was it was put in this context of world history as seen through the lens of this metaphor of the war in heaven and the churchly powers, the 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 darkness of the medieval times were were a product of that Jehovah rule. And, and uh, the arts, sciences, that type of thing, mm-hmm. those within Satan's realm, which really, really seems accurate to the uh, assumptions of both self-identified Satanists and and the religious right. Mm-hmm. You get some heat from uh, people for calling yourselves religious atheists, right? You know, I, I really, I, I have to say. I, I, we've done well within within atheist groups. I've spoken at a lot of atheist conferences and that kind of thing. Yeah, but I, I'm not. I, I'm I'm really infuriated by the the wishy washy self identified atheists who who really feel like 
who really seem to feel like we're just ruining everything. And I, I'm really developing less and less a tolerance for the the, uh, the criticisms of the self-identified atheist camp as I am of, of any group. Yeah, I, I don't understand, though. What, why do they, what, what do they think they're ruining? I don't get it. Well, they think that because, it, here's what I can gather from the comments I see on social media and that type of thing. If we're to be atheistic at all, which we we are, we mm-hmm. don't believe in a literal deity, and, and we don't embrace supernatural explanations of any type, um, then what we're doing is giving atheism a bad name, as though atheism should be putting on some type of unified front, which I think is a, is a backward notion to begin with. Oh, absolutely. There's such vast differences. Yeah, we, we can't try to... Uh, we can't try to regulate the minutia of what atheist beliefs are. Atheism yeah. is, is non-belief and let's leave it at that. And it's for the better that you do. And mm-hmm. I mean, you don't, you don't want to, you don't want to try. Why, why try pushing your opposition into further opposition? You know, right. you get that kind of, that, that's kind of the, the argument uh, that pops up when you're, you're talking about issues related to, free speech or, or the so-called regressive left and that kind of thing mm-hmm. when people get so polarized oh my that gosh. They, they witch hunt within their own camps they they actually have a tendency to drive people to the the opposing party absolutely yeah i mean as an ex-muslim i get that kind of oh, well not similar but i get a lot of heat from fellow atheists as well because a there's the camp that is anti-immigrant anti-migrant and I'm of Muslim background, so they often, some people often say that you know I shouldn't, I shouldn't be trusted to reproduce, or um, I should be sterilized. And um, obviously, I'm not uh, fond of those comments. And then there's the other camp, which is like you're too harsh on Islam. You shouldn't criticize it. So yeah, there's a lot of that polarization that I yeah, experience. And I think it's, I think it's really deplorable when we, uh, when we throw the minorities within minorities uh, under the bus. Oh and, yeah. And, and it happens all the time. Like, especially you, you notice it after a tragedy like Orlando so much, everyone's trying to play down the, um, Islam's role and be like, no, 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 no Islamophobia, no criticism of Islam. Well, and, and this is another case where you have to, you have to see if it's evenly applied and, and it's not, I, I understand people's sensitivity to American Muslims and, and honestly, oh, yeah, I understand I, that too. I mean, I'm a victim of anti-Muslim bigotry often, so I get it, but denial right. is a whole other extreme Right, right, but would anybody would anybody be willing to say that you can't give Catholics such a hard time on raping altar boys? That's their culture. That's yeah, what they exa- do. Exactly. And, and unless you're going to do that, don't don't be that extreme when it comes to Islam and pretend that Islamic doctrine actually has zero to do with with Islamism. Mm-hmm. And, and so. If you can reach that happy medium, that's a, that's a great thing. But but it's a very nuanced nuanced dialogue. I mean, of course, the the rednecks who uh, 
who are anti-gay, the Westboro Baptist Church, those types. Of, mm-hmm. of course, there's there's other social factors. There's economic factors, I'm sure, underlying their their behaviors and the the adherence to their beliefs and that kind of thing. But the the doctrines they're following aren't aren't exempt from from scrutiny for their role that is directly stated is being played in, in, in their activities. It's just crazy to me when you, when you try to, uh, when you try to justify a religious point of view by, by saying it's completely irrelevant. Yep. And it's really frustrating when you come from that background and you're in the thick of it and you want to be heard and you're not given a platform or like I've been bumped off of radio shows in Canada. Once they hear I'm ex Muslim before that they want to talk to me. So well, yeah. in the, in, uh, in other speakers, of course, have been shut down in, in forums at, at universities and the like, Amarian yeah. Namazi, exactly. uh, and it's, it's, very interesting because a lot of times you will get that that kind of rhetoric that you you can't understand uh, another culture's situation that that you know so somebody somebody like me a, a white man uh, presumably in a position of privilege or whatever it just just can't possibly make any commentary about this whatsoever I have no understanding but it's different than when an ex-Muslim comes along and has commentary that doesn't agree with with the idea that that no criticism should be applied, um, then apparently, you know, there's a carte blanche to to shit all over you. Oh yeah, I've been called a white supremacist so many times, but yeah, that's that's the way it is. Then that causes a lot of ex-Muslims who don't find allies on the left. They some of them will shift right. And then people will be upset that people are shifting right. And it's never ending. <laughs> right, right. Well, and you should never abandon your, your, your values either as some kind of coddling gesture towards any problematic elements. So it's one thing that really bothers me is, is the way it seems currently, and maybe this is a, a, bit, uh, a bit paranoid on my part, but it, it, maybe it's always been this way, but it seems like there's a, a very... Uh, horrible openness to disregarding the principle of free speech. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like with the whole Charlie Hebdo and all of that kind of thing, just they term it hate speech, call it offensive to religious groups. And that's it. It's it's that. And that's where you come in (laughs) with your religious freedom and be like, yay, you know, I'm protected. It's awesome. Well, I gave a I gave a lecture at Missouri University, and and nobody nobody really pushed back. I was talking about the problem of free speech, but when when it was put in the context of the Satanic Temple, the crowd there seemed to understand it. I think it would have been far more contentious if I were talking about ex Muslims or anything mm-hmm. of the like. But I was talking about how these uh, these current polls. Uh, there was a Pew poll that I had cited that said that. Um, some some horrible percentage of millennials uh, felt that you know there should be deeper restrictions upon free speech insofar as it, it's offensive to minority groups or whatever else, um, and, and and also registered Democrats, which I, I feel is a, it's a horrible horrible trend. 
Um, and I was illustrating that by talking about the activities that the Satanic Temple has been involved in, in the way that it could be far more difficult for us when people start abusing any new restrictions on free speech. Mm-hmm. And when we were doing a presentation about the idea of the Black Mass at, uh, at Harvard uh, one year, the Catholic groups, the archdiocese over here was up in arms and, and they, they took to the streets, you know, thousands of Catholics took to the streets, chanting and crying and casting spells, whatever the hell they do. <laughs> and, and they were, uh, in a way they never did when they, when, uh, the revelations in Boston came out that their, their organization had been raping their children. Right. Um, but, uh, but they were they were making the argument that what we were doing was hate speech and that type of thing, you know. And clearly, you know, if you put restrictions in one direction, they will work the other way too. And that's mm-hmm. a, that's a message the Satanic Temple has been putting out. And it's not always going to work in in favor of of what you want. Uh, look at RIFRA. RIFRA was actually put in, in place with the most kind of progressive intentions. The Native Americans were doing a peyote sacrament. And they were being restrained from doing so due to narcotics laws. Mm-hmm. And RIFRA was put in place to say that, you know, they, they had a religious right to do what they were doing. This was part of their practice. This was part of their free exercise. And and it was put forward during the Clinton administration, had bipartisan support. Um, you know, it's only later on that you find the religious right looking to RIFRA as their savior to allow them to discriminate against gays. And you have to keep these things in mind when you're trying to pass new restrictions of policies or or especially abridge free speech in any way. You have to be very careful about that kind of thing. Or pretty soon you're you're not able to engage in, in good old blasphemy or, or other types of well, things. Well, and that, some of us, our existence is simply blasphemous, right? Like, especially as an ex-Muslim and apostate, it's my existence is offensive to so many, like, so offensive to so many people that they would rather that I didn't even say that I exist. So right, then, and, I, and I find it hard to believe that you could ever walk away from that. Your topic could be, if you were speaking at a university, your topic could be anything at this point, and there would be people protesting yeah. against that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I I wrote a children's book set in Pakistan. It's an anti-homophobia book. And here in Canada, at first, it was really well embraced by schools and people read it. And they're like, great, you know, we can address immigrant children and uh, Muslim children with this book because our sex ed curriculums are recently updated to be more inclusive and more LGBT friendly. So this was, uh, I think, a great thing to use as a resource. But then People heard about it, parents heard about it, and they were livid. They threatened school boards with lawsuits. They said that this was insensitive to Islam, that I was a, an Islamophobe. And, and my book has nothing to, like, it doesn't even mention religion. It's just a little boy who lives in Pakistan, his uncle and his boyfriend, and he just doesn't understand why people hate on his uncle. Right. That's it. So it's a book about love. And so they said this book was offensive to Muslims. Some people, someone even said that it would be okay if it was like a white child and this book was set in America, it was the same book, but because it was a boy with a Muslim name and he had a gay uncle in Pakistan, this is what was causing the offense. This is what the Muslim community wrote an article um, and I think it was on ISNA, Islamic Society of North America's page, and they said that the school boards were bullying the Muslim community by using this book. 
that makes sense. <laughs> Somehow, <laughs> uh, no. I, in my case, I have a, a deep-rooted distaste for for Christianity because that's the const- construct I grew up in. Right. My dad's side of the family was Catholic. My mom's side was Protestant. I, I really despise them both uh, for for different reasons, and, and really not not a good experience overall. I, I, I really. I really don't like it, <laughs> but just the same, I realize that other people's situation is completely different. Um, the 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 religion is those religions are 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 so ubiquitous uh, that other people growing up had a completely different different experience of it, and it's simply part of their their culture. It's part of. Part of honoring their family. These are things I, I didn't never had any respect for until. So your your parents I, were religious, though. They weren't highly religious. I still grew to hate it, though. Okay, yeah, same here. Mine mine weren't very religious, but I still <laughs> hate it. <laughs> People always assume you've grown up in some extra fundamentalist household, and you were, you know, a victim of religious abuse, and that's why you don't like it. But that's not always the case at all. Well, the kind of religious abuse I would say that I may have suffered wasn't wasn't familial. Um, it really didn't have much to do with my parents. It was mm-hmm. really cultural uh, mm-hmm. at the time of the Satanic Panic. Uh, there was th- this prevalent notion that Satanists were going around killing people and trying to right in the eighties and nineties on the talk shows. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I, I do realize that there's there's people whose experience of their religion is, is entirely different. They they do embrace it for for cultural reasons or whatever else, and, and probably a lot of those people feel like they're obligated to believe the untenable, irrational, supernatural claims that go along with mm-hmm. that. I think we'd be much better off if they realized they could be cultural Christians. Uh, the Jews seem to have that figured out, but um, and I, I feel like. Uh, American Muslims uh, are probably better at that than uh, than uh, a lot of American Christians as well, uh, embracing it for the cultural aspects. And I think that adds to some of the confusion where people think that criticism of Islam is, is racist. Mm-hmm. But it shouldn't be completely one way. It shouldn't be the obligation is only on me to note that some people's experiences are different um, people, no matter what they they want to believe of their religion being infallible or or the one true way or a better lifestyle or whatever else, should also realize that this is not the experience a lot of people have had. There's a lot of at least potential for oppression in their religious doctrines, and people yes, have, have suffered yes. in real ways. And that's another thing that that kind of disgusts me about. Uh, about some of the people who ha- take this coddling point of view towards the people we put criticism upon mm-hmm. is that um, they're treating them in a very kind of, they're treating them like children. Like we, we can't teach them anything. We can't expect anything from them. So we need to adjust our behavior accordingly. We can't broach topics that make them uncomfortable. You know, we have to pretend that there's a, a uniform, uh, experience of, of, of their religion and that type of thing. Well, yeah, the thing that frustrates me the most is the whole, it's been misinterpreted all these years. It's it's not homophobic. It's not sexist. It's just misinterpreted. Like, I, I just did an episode with um, someone who's like a Muslim feminist, and to me, that's a very frustrating position. 
because I uh, grew up in Saudi Arabia. I had state-imposed, you know, modesty. There was morality police. I saw them smack my mom's ankles with a, with a cane for her headscarf slipping off. Um, so then when people tell me that when they try to whitewash the justification for these things that is in black and white in the scripture, that really, really upsets me. Well, there's also the question, too, of whether or not there's unique uh, features to the doctrine of Islam that makes it problematic in the question of terror right now. Mm-hmm. And that question is, is is certainly enough to really set certain people off. And, and I, I admit, I feel the same way about Islam that I feel about Scientology or or any other minority religion in the United States, where despite how ridiculous it is, it makes me sick sometimes to hear the religious right talking about it as though it's so much worse than their ignorant point of view. However, when it, when you get to the roots of Islam, it, it, ingrained in the doctrine was this idea of, of expansionism, of, of mm-hmm. holy war and that type of thing. And I don't think that uh, I don't think that by design Islam is some way worse than, than the Christian Christian faith. It's just incidentally, <laughs> you know, that that these kind of doctrines play interplay with our politics now. Um, it's just by lucky chance, I guess, mm-hmm. that at a certain point, well, plus it, the, it, uh, the level of literal adherence that it still commands, right? It's not weakened yet, like Christianity. Right. Well, at least at least Christianity had render unto unto Caesar what's Caesar and uh, what Caesar's and and give to God what's God's. But our uh, our current political evangelical Christians uh, with with their aspirations for for dominance in in, in a Christian nation and that type of thing, mm-hmm. I I really feel like they are not any better than than the the islamists uh they're not but they're fewer in number so right and well and they're working within a different framework Mm -hmm. uh thankfully and Mm -hmm. and, but if you put them in the context of the kind of kind of strife going on in the middle east holy shit you you know (laughs) i think we could very easily imagine uh uh, beheadings and 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 all the rest Right, so you like, see, it's just there's just some kind of defect in the fundamentalist mind. It doesn't matter of what culture, but you can only hope to restrain them by by better systems, better secular systems. Mm-hmm. So, so I guess Christians are like caged. Christian fundamentalists are like. I think it was Michael Sherlock that said to me on Twitter once. It's like a cage. Never believe the promises of a caged lunatic. Right. Um, <laughs> They're they're only seeming softer because they're they're caged. So once you let them out of that cage, they'll be they'll pretty bite bad. you, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. And I, I feel like that's that's quite the way it is. Mm-hmm. So you, you have a you have a difficult task. Uh do you have a <laughs> I know I'm not interviewing you, but I'm going to anyway. <laughs> do, do you do you kind of have a, a vision for the future of Islam? Um, you know, I I do support the the few honest reformists that I come across, like Majid Nawaz. Um, when they accept the plausibility of the horrendous, violent interpretations, you know, if 
if you deny them flat out, I don't see how you can be a reformer. There are those who are like trying to rewrite the Quran with a feminist interpretation, and they won't accept any fallibility on the Quran's part. It's perfect as it is, it's perfect for all time. Then what are you reforming? What are you changing? <laughs> I mean, well, you, then, then you, then it's a matter of playing legalistic games to somehow make it seem like it works within the within the framework of, of modern times. People accuse me of being a, a Jewish agent, like a. Anyways, I have. Oh, some I get questions. that too. Oh, do you? I, I, I even <laughs> got that from uh, Ann Coulter. Ann Coulter. Oh tweet. yeah, she's so oh. lovely, isn't she? Being a Jew, yeah. <laughs> and if I'm not, uh, it, sometimes, sometimes I'm accused of being anti-Semitic, even all yes. the while I'm, I'm yes. being accused of being a a, a Jewish Jewish agent of. of some oh kind, yeah, whatever, I mean, you can conspiracy. get it all the same day for the same thing that you do. You can be anti-Semitic, anti-Muslim, Jewish agent, secret Islamist. I get um, crazy social justice feminist and an MRA. I've gotten those in the same day. Right. But yeah, good times. (laughs) So (laughs) you can be be everything at once to everybody. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So going back to the satanic panic, so you were interested in Satanism for a long time, I guess? Yeah, but it really started when I was a kid and the talk show hosts would get on talking about what Satanists were doing to, and, you know, just behind the scenes. Of Did you life. identify as a Satanist, like as a teenager too, or? No, it was it was pre- pre- presented as this horrific thing. You know, they were supposed to be murdering babies and animals. Right, and I, that, rem- that I remember. I remember that. So, so no, obviously nobody wanted any part of that. But it, it did pique my curiosity as me to how too. this could be, and, and how there could be such a such a prevalent movement that has been so effective at not getting caught. Uh, obviously, at, at a certain time, by by high school, even. You know, it was obvious that so much of this was complete bullshit. But um, later on, it kind of came back to me when I was getting out of high school or whatever. I really started wondering how how did this happen? I started remembering the, the really irrational claims I was hearing about Satanism. And it just really struck me as odd because you had, you know, you did have a, at least one above-ground, self-identified satanic organization, and yet you had it being presented as though it were nothing but criminal and murderous. Mm -hmm. And how could that be? So I started reading more about it and and started meeting with people who were self-identified satanists, reading the literature and that kind of thing. And this all kind of comes together with my growing distaste for uh, mainstream organized religions as well, mm-hmm. getting this kind of idea that everything I was taught was a lie and that everything was misrepresented and, and the wrong people were maligned. And I really grew an affinity for the satanic and never really turned back since. Yeah, no, that that's an interesting story that uh, these shows that were meant to terrify you kind of had the opposite effect, right? Yeah, it is funny to see that this kind of artistic raw material of Satanism was thrown out into our culture to scare us and, and to drive home this message that you, you have to embrace Jesus as the savior of your soul or, or this is the alternative. Um, it, it's meant as a, as a tool to bludgeon you. 
Yeah. And if you and if you use it and repurpose it towards constructive ends and embrace it, well, then you're you're being told that you have no right to do so. That this is somehow their material, and you're not interpreting it correctly. Oh, and gosh. to self-identify as a Satanist it is merely it is somehow hateful against the the mainstream. I think it's Christian a really polite and uh, kind way to to put the the hypocrisies in light. You know. Um, like it has a trolling element to it. You would would you deny that or? Well, it depends on what you mean. I mean, I think when people call us trolls, sometimes they're suggesting that we we like to get attention for attention's sake, mm-hmm. and nothing. Could no, be I further. say it in in a very positive way. Like I love that you troll religious people, but <laughs> continue. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, we love bringing attention to the issues. Um, myself, I, I can't stand attention for its own sake. And I think that's very transparent when people do that. And I think a lot of causes are ruined by people trying to build themselves into central characters and, and media media figures and that type of thing mm-hmm. in, in the most deplorable way. People get, seem to get struck with a real sickness once they, they get any media attention or whatever else. But, uh, I, I, of course, I'm, I'm delighted, though, when we bring attention to how we're fighting the reproductive rights campaign. Oh, you've done or, such amazing things. Even with, you had a satanic coloring book that you guys gave out. Was it, did you ever get to give it out in a school or? Actually, yes. And in, in Colorado, this came by and, and I'm, I bet by next year, they'll shut down the open forum, but they were giving out Bibles in Colorado and, and working with the freedom from religion foundation. There was a table set up and, and the satanic, uh, activity book and, and other other non-religious materials were were being distributed. Maybe some other uh, alternative religions as well. And so it was actually an open forum. But in Florida, they just shut down the open forum entirely after three years of of debates and arguments with secular groups who were telling them it wasn't appropriate to hand out Bibles and Christian literature. Uh, the Satanic Temple comes along, and suddenly they have an epiphany that this isn't. <laughs> that maybe religious teaching should be left to the house or oh it's so beautiful i love it yeah yeah yeah. genius i i just love it so much the way you just the way you do that and there was also like a thing with prayer in public office and then you guys did satanic incantations well we have a couple lawsuits coming up in arizona and phoenix they they shut down their they moved to a moment of silence policy only long enough to block us from giving an invocation and then reinstated their, their invocations and then said that only, you know, approved chaplains or whatever could, could deliver the invocations. So obviously it was discriminatory. The, the council members, the council members didn't try to hide this either. We have a whole, you know, we have a whole list of comments they made where they, they were specifically saying that they were, doing what they were doing to block the satanic temple. So you never got to do your invocations ever. No, but I think we will but I think it's all all well and good because we'll set a, a legal precedent coming up and and it's a, it's a, it seems like to me it'll be a pretty easy case going forward. But another issue I'm trying to raise awareness about is the ongoing problem of 
the satanic panic. Uh, a lot of people don't realize that it never quite ended, this persecution based on this idea of, of Satanism. And it's not just some obscure issue that only affects somebody who may or may not need to self-identify as a Satanist at all. A lot of the people who were affected in the 80s and 90s had no had no connection to any any satanic philosophy or any interest in self-identifying as Satanist. Uh, it was just a, a witch hunt in which people could be accused of being a certain type of Satanist that mm-hmm. was completely imaginary, and then their families destroyed, their lives ruined, possible prison sentences. But um, a lot of what happened there was similar to the alien abduction phenomena of around the same time. People were going to therapists who would use uh, regression, hypnotic regression, and other uh, memory retrieval tactics, which are, are proven ineffective and entirely debunked as, yeah. as, as useful. And, and they were coming up with these false memory narratives of satanic abuse and that type of thing. And despite falling out of mainstream favor, this idea of satanic cults, ritual abuse, and that type of thing, the the therapeutic fringe hasn't changed, and a lot of the same practitioners are doing the same thing. Really? Oh, yeah. And we, we recently posted a petition against a particular therapist, uh, Neil Brick. He's a licensed therapist in Massachusetts, and he runs these conferences. Uh, and he has an annual one in Connecticut for an organization called SMART, a tortured acronym that's that's supposed to stand for uh, Stop Mind Control and Ritual Abuse Today. And we recently had a couple of observers at a conference he put together for an organization called Survivorship. He's the president of Survivorship. And you can see the report um, that we put together. If you check our social media, it's there. And there's an article on Pathios. And we had a a video that we took of the organizer, Neil Brick, um, in stating this paranoid prohibition against people touching their faces at the conference because he felt (laughs) that that people touching their faces could signal a type of trigger triggering to people who have been um, instilled with mind control. So if somebody's been mind controlled by the government, somebody touching their face could trigger that. Wow, now, this is a, some real tinfoil crazy stuff. Well, it's funny you say that because I went to one of the smart conferences and they were actually selling hats that had a steel <laughs> mesh lined inside. I, I shit you not. And it was supposed to block those kinds of transmissions. Oh I don't know, mind control transmissions or whatever else. So you really are talking the lunatic fringe, but the uh, but the horrifying part is is that they are licensed. Uh, these people are giving, you have people who are licensed in the mental health profession. That's scary. Telling people, selling these delusional claims to the mentally vulnerable. And that's really what we're fighting against. In the first petition we put out against a a clinical psychologist in California, she's part of this whole network and, and is an associate of this Neil Brick guy. She was consulting with a woman in New York, a multimillionaire mother who ended up killing her own eight-year-old kid because she felt that was the only way to preserve this kid from being tortured by this unseen satanic cult for the rest of the time. She felt she was preserving him from these tortures. So the mother goes away to prison, but obviously the big question to us was what role did this clinical psychologist play? Because you look at her website, it's full of satanic panic, Illuminati bullshit. It talks about... uh, witchcraft abuse and these other things so you had this disturbed woman 
who went to a disturbed psychologist, and then she ends up killing her eight-year-old kid to preserve him from some non-existent satanic threat. And we feel it's it's really time to open investigation against this psychologist for that's her horrifying. possible role in this. And, and even if they're going to claim, well, that, that's client privilege and those records aren't, aren't privy or whatever, I think just based on the beliefs that this woman puts forward— they're, mm-hmm. they're so outside the norm. They are so they're so debunked as proven and and self evidently delusional that she shouldn't have her license to practice. And this yeah. is a very this is a very difficult issue to bring attention to because it's easy when you can put together a press release that says the Satanic Temple seeking to put activity books in in a public school or whatever. That's just that's known clickbait, and there's going to be mm-hmm. a lot of stories about that. When it's a story as complicated as this and that we're fighting the ongoing satanic panic and that by the very nature of what we're doing, we're, we're naming names and we're, we're getting into, uh, into territory where there might be legal issues later on and a journalist is going to have to put more than, than the standard bit of time into to hacking out what they're doing and do some fact-checking or whatever. It's, it's very difficult to draw attention to the issue, but we're starting to now. That's great. I mean, you guys had a documentary on CNN too, so hopefully that um, brought you guys some attention. Yeah, and uh, that should be airing on Netflix anytime now. Vice is putting out a a short documentary about us, and and they're interested in doing a series of of, of little documentaries about us that cover different issues, and 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 uh, thankfully they want to do one about this issue of the ongoing satanic panic. Uh, that's fantastic. I think that's a good cause. I mean, I I can personally relate to it a little bit. I mean, no one's ever tried to imprison me or something like that, but I wore a lot of black. I was like a goth kid, right? Like at some points, pretty extreme in my life. And f- coming from Saudi Arabia, it's not a, a very common look. Like um, we do all have to wear black cloaks, but this is slightly different. Um so I had a lot of relatives that would speculate that I'm some kind of witch or not my parents, but other relatives. And I'd always hear whispers about how I'm a witch, how I'm a devil worshiper, how I drink blood. So there was some of that in my in my life. <laughs> right, exactly. And that's part of being the self-identified Satan is Satan. I wasn't and, even and, a self but yeah, just from wearing a lot of black and dyeing my hair. But it doesn't matter colors, because it yeah. doesn't it doesn't stop. People will call you a Satanist yeah. then. People will yeah. say that the music you like is satanic or, or yeah. that uh, or that your your lack of faith it also it, it all it all merges into into one characteristic of, of of the Satanist, and you can either embrace that or not. But if if we were to follow the advice of some of these uh, of some of these very lukewarm uh, so called activists and just call ourselves something else, um, <laughs> yeah. what else do you concede then? Do you not dress how you want to dress? Do you right. do you not put on that music anywhere somebody might be within earshot of it because you might just defend their sensibilities that it could be satanic or well, whatever else? Yeah, I mean, there's a power in reclaiming that, right? Yes, there definitely is, and, and and there's and there's certainly a lot to be ashamed of if you refuse to do that. If you refuse to stand up for for who you are, or completely. Uh, or, or completely model yourself based on on what you think the the appropriate terms are for for something. I mean, in, in this case too, when I when I find the the old religious constructs to be 
so counterproductive. I, I have no real interest in, in preserving this idea that they are the arbiters of, of proper moral behavior. And I feel like that's what you do when you concede this idea of Satanism to them. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not so much that they want to uphold that Satanism is evil. They're, they're doing that in direct opposition to, to the, their own point of view. So they're putting forward this notion that they still have, that they have developed Western values, that they have always been on the right side of moral issues. And in another 20 years, maybe not even, you, you'll hear all this talk about how the— uh, if the propaganda works as it traditionally has, you'll hear all these claims about how it was really, really the churches that brought gay rights into prominence. Oh, I and hear I, that stuff. Yeah, well, you hear that shit about slavery, and, and it, it couldn't be more wrong. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I heard someone say that it was a religious religion that was all about sexual liberation and uh, women's freedoms and. I mean, these concepts are, are in no way borrowed from religion. You, it's just such vague bullshit that you can try to oh, twist the, it. The revisionism goes way back, too. They'll claim the Enlightenment was actually a product of of, uh, of Christian doctrine, and that scientific advances, and, and of course, you know, capitalism now is is sold as this as this uh, as this Christian ideal, in in none of that. None. Of, there's no truth to any of that. It's it's all these bullshit massaged facts that have, you know, it's it's this square peg being fit into the round hole. It's but, but that that it seems to work. I I, I can't. Oh, it works on so many people because I mean, I think we live in a theist majority world of people who subscribe to organized religion who are who see the world changing around them and they're desperate to not let their beliefs unravel at the same time. So they they will cling to anything that will help them believe that this still works. Well, on, on a on a smaller scale, you see that with with Donald Trump being given the nomination. And some people are surprised that the religious right seems to be lining up and saying, well, yeah, this is this is our guy. This mm-hmm. was always our guy. But that's what they'll do, of course, just just in the same way they'll claim that the, the current values in, in a lot of ways are their own. And they authored them when, when there is no turning back. Right. And Trump's because, not religious or, you know, isn't he like a serial adulterer? And <laughs> yeah, but once once you have that monopoly. You're not going to give it up. I, I don't. I don't see the religious right saying, "Well, we lost the Republican Party. Sorry." Mm-hmm. They're going to try to cut their losses and say, "Like, no, this was part of our plan all along." Yeah, we yeah. Have, <laughs> you know, such well, a good analogy. That's exactly how re- religious people work on a larger scale. So, how many, like, how many members do you have? Do you know that number offhand? Around forty thousand, I think. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, you know, it must be mentioned we let people just sign up online. Well, of course. <laughs> but why wouldn't we? I think that's there's a certain. You, why would we put a a high burden of proof upon the people who self-identify with us? That would be putting us also at a disadvantage to the more traditional religions mm-hmm. where you are if you say you are, and then those those numbers are reflected in pew polls and everything else. Um, you know, we, we don't go out and try to recruit. Uh, we're not we're not too terribly concerned with numbers. We know it means something uh, when it comes to uh, political movements mm-hmm. overall and in, in general. But um, 
but yeah, no, I, I think, I think that's, that's, uh, the best way to do it. You know, people can sign up and then they can identify with us. They don't need to, they don't necessarily need to buy a membership card or a certificate or, or whatever. Oh, you can just like sign up for free. Yeah. Yeah. You don't need I to mean, get we, a membership we sell, card. We sell the membership cards. Yeah, I saw thing, that. But, but you shouldn't have to pay to be a member. Great. I think that's great. Yeah. And you can just go to the satanic temple.com and sign up. Yeah. Yeah. Great. So if anyone listening wants to sign up, go do it. And uh, feel free also to, to sign our, uh, <laughs> to sign our petition against, uh, against this mental health care malpractice. Yeah, for sure. You guys do a lot of really good work. You focus a lot on Christians, right? How can you expand it to troll other religions? I don't want to use the word troll, but you maybe well, can put that better for me. You know, our, our activism, and we we get some of that bullshit too, where people are complaining, well, we won't see you say anything against uh, against the Muslims or whatever, and then get, getting all hot and bothered oh, yeah. and pissed off or whatever. But I mean, the fact of the matter is, if uh, if if Muslims were pushing Islamic doctrine in, in public schools mm-hmm. anywhere where, where yeah. we're relevant, uh, it would be the same reply. We would still offer a, a counter voice. So uh, you know, we're we're put in opposition to the religious, the Christian religious right here all the time because that's. That's, that's what there is. That's simply, what is. Yeah, that's simply what's going on in the United States. Yeah. Um, obviously, you know, there's... Have you I, had any requests to have, like, chapters outside of the U.S.? Yeah, and actually, some of these people, I've, I've just worked to talk out of it because I felt like this the situation was such where they would really be putting themselves in legitimate danger. Like, um, in, like in the Middle East or something? Well, like in Peru, yeah, even. yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. And there was a guy recently who was wearing a a, uh, a the Satanic Temple T-shirt on Turkish TV, which I thought was wow, was, yeah, not a <laughs> not not something to be taken lightly by any means either. Um, we have a chapter in Italy. We have one, of course, starting in the UK, and that one seems like uh, that one actually seems like it'll have a lot of action. And um, we do have a lot of international requests mm-hmm. pending, but um, we we, we want to talk with with everybody in other countries and make sure that uh, that they have the support they'll need and that their situation mm-hmm. is such that it's it's a good idea. Well, yeah. I hope and pray to see the Saudi and Pakistani chapter someday. I mean, it's not uh, it's not as though we don't get death threats here. No, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah but the state is not on the side of those death threats. Right, right, so exactly. It's a tiny bit better, I guess. But but yeah, no, I can imagine. Do you ever feel like unsafe because your face is out there? Like I stay anonymous because of the amount of death and uh, rape threats that I get. So, I mean, you're obviously much braver than I am. Um, but do you feel unsafe? Uh, you know, I did it first. And, and when I did some early speaking arrangements where I would go into the Bible Belt territory to speak and, and realize that it was open to the public and that threats had come, I, I would feel like uh, it was just crazy what I was doing. Yeah. You know, my, 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 my mood can shift day to day, too. How some, are you, some, how's your family with, like, are they cool with uh, the Satanic Temple? 
Oh yeah, yeah, they're fine. That's good. <laughs> That's good because you mentioned they've had, they've had to reconcile themselves to it. They've done a pretty pretty good job. Mm-hmm. Nobody's nobody's really giving me a hard time there. But um, nobody's nobody's assaulted me yet. Um, That's no, good. That's me. yeah. Excellent, and let's hope that it never happens. Well, but- one thing is, so one thing that really pisses me off is is Facebook. Uh, I, I get death threats on Facebook. People post uh, threats against the Satanic Temple, calling for us to be beaten, murdered, uh, our monument to be destroyed, shot, smashed, bombed, whatever else. And um, there hasn't been a single time. I've reported that kind of behavior on Facebook that they haven't found that it didn't violate their Oh, yes. Standard. I'm so glad you brought this up because, you know, they've uh, kicked me off of Facebook twice for offending people. So right, right. <laughs> being well, an ex-Muslim, well, you get, I mean, I've been banned from YouTube for this very podcast where I haven't really had any more controversial conversations than this one, but... Uh, it was banned from YouTube twice and uh, Facebook twice also, also because they have this real name policy, which maybe you also have uh, suffered under. I don't know what name you right. go by on Facebook, but they insist that you use your real name, um, which I don't for obvious reasons. I don't want to die. Um, then they take away your Facebook account and they demand you show them government ID. Right. Well, I, I have a fan page, so you're allowed to use whatever. Yeah, I had I had a fan page fan too page. because I did that later, and yeah. someone still got it taken down because that's the only thing they can report me for is the pseudonym. Oh, huh, so. that's weird because I my my understanding of the fan page was that you were allowed to use your pseudonym on the fan page, but if you need to get it out of your system, if you need to really rage on Facebook. Just know you you can send the Satanic Temple any death threat you want, and Facebook does not give a shit. Yeah, or or ex Muslims like you can send them rape threats, and you can be ISIS recruiting people, and they thrive on Facebook. But people like us will suffer on Facebook. Either we'll get taken down, or people who threaten us won't get taken down. Yeah, I I really hope to see the day that Facebook is overtaken by some. Some better, uh, more secure, for, as far as personal information goes, uh, social Facebook media seems platform. Actively hostile towards privacy. They they want your information. I mean, I hate oh, yeah, Facebook yeah. for to so the, many to the reasons. Point where they they've 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 gone through great efforts to make it difficult to use uh, Facebook on your mobile phone without having without their that app. messenger app. Yes. Yeah, right. Right, which so of course much. is is just phone access for them. Yeah, I I never downloaded it. Did you? No. Good. Oh, no. But but I don't really read my messages on Facebook either, so it doesn't really. <laughs> well, I'm glad I got to you on Twitter. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. It's been such a pleasure chatting with you. I don't often say that to religious people, but. <laughs> well, anytime. <laughs> you know, we're a young organization and, and it's grown really fast and we're doing everything we can to, to put and we, we generally have no budget either. And that's that's another thing. You know, we, we crowdfund a lot of time for individual projects. We have our reproductive rights fund um, and all of it and more goes towards its uh, its intended projects, believe me. But um now we've put together a, a very dedicated council, and we're starting to look at doing things on more of a nationwide scale. 
Um, so we have some projects coming up that that will, I, I, I think, really kind of help redefine the the religious liberty dialogue in the United States. Uh, one side has grown grown sick with the monopoly they've had, mm-hmm. and you still have this prevalent notion, despite the things we've done, that religious liberty only benefits one side of the argument. And I think we have some things coming up now that are of uh, of a sufficient scale that it will cause people to think differently of is this hereafter. I cannot wait. I mean, you guys did um, this pink mass with Fred Phelps' mother. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's funny is the aftermath of that, that, that was a very kind of theatrical thing. And, and, and really the, my first introduction into, into the press, you know, uh, people started recognizing me by the pictures from the pink mass and that kind of thing. And, right, you and, had this great headpiece on with the horns. Yes. <laughs> well, of course, the most controversial part of that is that at the culmination of this this little ritual event in the cemetery, and, and, and what this was for anybody who doesn't know, is that uh, the Westboro Baptist Church was uh, going to protest the funerals of the Boston Marathon bombing victims. And me and the person I co-founded the Satanic Temple with were in Boston at the time, and we were going to join the counter-protesters to see the Westboro Baptist Church come at this time. And, uh, you know, at at a real horrible time to come to to Boston and and kind of Mm. uh, flaunt your your anti-homosexual agenda and, and... and just plain ignorance at the, the funerals of these victims. So we go there, and there's a massive turnout. And I think the Westboro Baptist Church had to know that there was a real potential for things to get get ugly in this situation. And they they didn't show up. They 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 opted out of that one. Uh, probably best for them. Mm-hmm. But they they tweeted these images where they superimpose themselves over the crowd, holding their signs that you know. God brought AIDS or whatever, or God brought the bombs and all that. And then they said, we were with you in spirit, you know, this kind of mocking tweet or whatever. So we were considering and ways in which we could maybe meet the Westboro Baptist Church on similar spiritual terms. <laughs> so we, and Fred Phelps was alive at the time. Thankfully, he's dead now. But uh, we looked up and found that his mother's grave was in this obscure large uh, cemetery in Mississippi. So we went over there to do these homoerotic satanic rituals over her grave. (laughs) Oh, I mean, I feel so bad laughing about things being done over someone's grave, but this is... Yeah, but this is the Westboro Baptist. Yeah, I know, right? It's the Westboro... I feel I feel so conflicted, but but no, it's hilarious what you well, did. I, is, I got some of that criticism. People were saying, "What if somebody did that over your mother's grave?" And it's and that's similar to asking, "Well, what what if somebody uh, what if somebody imposed a punishment of capital punishment on you?" It's mm-hmm. like, well, what, why would somebody do that? It's it's right. like you know you you can't just look at Ted Bundy getting the electric chair and saying, "Well, what if what your if mother somebody... got the electric yeah. chair?" It's like, "Well, my mother wasn't a serial killer," you know. I, that's there's, a great point. There's a, there's a certain difference there, but in any case, we we did these these homoerotic rituals over the, over the grave of his mother, and then at the end, I respect. So you had people we, making out right over uh, his yeah, grave. Yeah. That's so brilliant. 
Yeah, it seemed very tame to me, and I respectfully placed my testicles on her grave at the kind of culmination of the of the event. Lovely. And that, of course, caused the most controversy um, <laughs> because images of, of that were, were released as well. Oh, my and, gosh. And we declared her a lesbian in the afterlife, but I also made clear to the media that we didn't believe in that supernatural shit anyways, so that the real message was that we believed that due to the Westboro Baptist Church's beliefs that they were obligated to believe that she was a lesbian <laughs> in the afterlife. And the it's Westboro so Baptist beautiful. Church I love made, it. Yeah, the, the Westboro Baptist Church has made this argument that belief is inviolable and they can believe what they want. And, and so we extended that to our belief being inviolable about what we believe about what they believe. And we <laughs> felt that they believed that she was a lesbian in the afterlife despite <laughs> anything else they might say. Our belief and their belief was inviolable. So that that was the whole message there. And people since have asked if I I regret doing that because now they see these more highbrow campaigns, Mm -hmm. you know, these these real, these real well-defined legal arguments and that type of thing. But no, not at all. I I think that was great. I I think as far as ritual goes, uh, the pink mass was everything a ritual should be and actually had some kind of effect in the real world. And, uh, naturally, the Westboro Baptist Church uh, had very public fits about what had happened, and and they they graced us with one of their famous flyers saying that Satanists, homosexuals, and and whoever else we're we're all one and the same. We're all going to burn in hell and all that kind of thing. Well, you made it onto one of their flyers. I hope you frame that. Yeah, it's great. I, I love it. <laughs> No, what you guys do is amazing, and I can't believe that you get heat from so many different kinds of groups of people, including atheists who think you're ruining everything. <laughs> Fuck them all. Keep doing what you're doing. You know, I get like this weird like envy, right, of of people who are like even you guys have a lot of like the mainstream media, like John Oliver, Samantha B, um, John Stewart. They'll all make fun of conservative Christianity. Like, right on TV. Right. And I'm just like, when are we going to get that for us? Like, right, I'll, I'll right. cheer for you, absolutely. But I'm also like, I want it, too. Right, exactly. <clears throat> well, it, it is, it's, it's important. It's something, so, yeah, it's something so. you need. You need that kind of criticism. You need that kind of counterbalance. And, uh, you know, I as I said, the, the it was really with the, the Danish cartoons that I, I really got got disgusted with some of the reaction. I, I never forgave the magazine The Nation for its reply to the, the Danish cartoon controversy when they were kind of trying so hard to to not uh, to not throw away their values and and their their adherence to free speech principles, but it was just impossible to the point where they were just writing these sense nonsensical statements yeah. criticizing the public criticizing the publication that put out the uh, the Muhammad cartoons by saying, you know, you would never find that same publication uh, printing any similar cartoon disparaging or mocking Jesus. And I thought, well, that's not the point. And they, they shouldn't be obligated to do that either. They're, they're a publication of a certain market. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it might be a deplorable publication. You might disagree with everything mm-hmm. it says. You know, it might be infuriating when you see it. But they do but it to the publications just, that are equal offenders of all religions, like like Charlie Hebdo. They call them well, racist. That, that's a good, shits. good point. But but even if they didn't, you know, <laughs> we, we shouldn't we shouldn't concede that. We shouldn't say, well, you can't you you can't publish this kind of thing. It's mm-hmm. just 
it's just that's insane. Yeah, I mean, I interviewed a Canadian jour- uh, journalist from one of the biggest papers here, um, and he had written on the death anniversary of Charlie Hebdo this article that was really quite offensive to me as an illustrator and an ex-Muslim, call like saying there were like snickering clowns, racists, like on their death anniversary. This is what he has to say. And I'm like, after they've been pumped with bullets, man, this is this is really awful. And he's, you know, a liberal guy, so I don't know what this weird reflex is. So I had a chat with him, and I, I can send you the link to that conversation, but he had clearly never thought about someone in my position before. And you can see that. A lot of people there. haven't, and a lot yeah. of people like to ignore that there's people in your position or... or uh, I, I don't think a lot of the people shouting down Mariam Namazi or Ian Hirsi Ali have have a very uh, a very significant grasp of what they're saying or doing or or what their backgrounds are either, mm-hmm. um, and, and that's that's a real sad thing to me. It's been such a pleasure talking to you. And, well, it's been a pleasure um, talking to you as well. Good luck to you guys. Let your uh, let your ex-Muslim comrades know that. Uh, if it's something they're they're interested in identifying in, they certainly have a place in the Satanic Temple. Thank you. Thank you for being so welcoming towards all. You can follow Lucian at... At Lucian Greaves. That's L-U-C-I-E-N-G-R-E-A-V-E-S. Correct. Thank you. All right. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of Polite Conversations. You can support this podcast by sharing the shit out of it, making some noise about it, or contributing via Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash nice mangoes. No Ian mangoes. Also, you can follow me on Twitter at nice mangoes. If you want to make a one-time donation instead of a monthly Patreon one, you can do so via PayPal. NiceMangoes.blog at gmail.com. Remember, no Ian Mangos. If you've got an interesting story and would potentially like to be a guest, you can email me there too. A special thanks to Dylan Beck for theme music, sound, and production help. 